But it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat now. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. <laughs> hey, uh, so Brazilians, that's where the Olympics are, right? The Olympics are in Brazil, right? Rio de Janeiro, that's Brazil, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. So as a rule, I like Brazil, the Brazilians. I, I don't know if I've told my, my World Cup soccer story here before, and I won't tell it this time, but, but I had a close encounter with a whole lot of Brazilians back in California years ago with the World Cup soccer, and it was a very positive thing. Fun people, very, very nice. Anytime I've ever come across Brazilians in the past, very, very positive, very nice people. Seems like a real, a real happening country, all right? But, but... <laughs> Apparently, last night, on was it last night or the night before, during the opening ceremony of the Olympics, so we're recording this a couple of days into the Olympics down there in Rio, during the opening ceremonies, apparently the Brazilians were dissing our Wright brothers. All right. Did you hear about this? I did Oh, not. yeah. I, I yeah. Yeah. David, what did you hear? What did they do? Well, they're uh, trying to lay claim to... Uh, Santos Dumont flying his 14 bis before the Wright brothers flew their flyer at uh, Kitty Hawk. I know, huh? What are they? Gee whiz. Okay. National pride and all aside, you know. Yeah, so, and Dumont yeah. was a great aviation pioneer. No, I mean, uh, let's let's be clear here. We're not dissing. Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. But, the uh, man deserves a lot of credit. He very inventive and uh, designed a number of machines and flew them. But uh, all the records I've ever seen said that he... Uh, he flew uh, the uh, in 06. 14 bis on September 7th, 1906. 06, right. Yeah. So, see? Which, by my calendar, would be just short of three years after right. December 17th, 1903. Now, but did you read what they're saying? So, people are saying they're making trying to make the case that the Wright Brothers 03 flights don't exactly count. All right. Because it was um, into a stiff wind with a catapult. They said basically it was an assisted glide. Yeah? No? Okay. Well, there's no question that there was some assistance there. But taking off to the wind has been a standard ever since. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody, everybody who thinks rationally takes off into the wind unless there are landscape reasons to do otherwise and enough runway to take off downwind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's... Nah, 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 nah. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and I don't I don't know that it was a catapult. It was a rail. No, there was... I, I'm what, sure was there a catapult? There was a uh, weight-assisted catapult thing they rigged up, which was kind of clever. Um, uh-huh. And I cut them slack on the catapult because... Um, what the catapult was doing, in my view, was overcoming the friction of the rail, um, and that once the uh, once they were they lifted off and were off the rail, I submit that the engines kept the aircraft moving forward, and therefore it counts okay. as flight. Yeah. The other thing to keep in mind too is the engines of the day weren't all that powerful. Keeping it aloft is one thing; accelerating it to liftoff speed is, would be another. Uh, Yes, kind of the same kind of point, yes. But, but Particularly, I, you, you consider the limited wheel choices for rolling on sand in those days. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but now, how, how, so the Wright brothers, I haven't read the book yet. I should read the book. Have either of you read the, uh, the spy? I, I, ha- I actually have it, but I've not cracked it yet. Yeah, and I bought it as an ebook, and I haven't really, I read a couple pages and haven't really gotten into it yet. I've read a number of biographies and stories of the, you know, the whole Wright brothers story. Um, so they, they finished at Kitty Hawk and went back to, uh, Ohio to, uh, Dayton 
and did some flying there sort of once they, they kind of proved some of the concepts. When... I don't know why I think David will know this, but I'm going to ask him anyways. David was there. Yeah, no, I don't make those jokes anymore. But uh, ah. David's a historian here. David has an encyclopedia, encyclo, wait a minute, what's the word? Enci- Easy for you to say. Encyclopedia <laughs> memory. No, encyclopedic. Encyclopedic um, um, understanding of aviation and aviation history. Um, how soon after 03, after Kitty Hawk, did the Wright brothers fly back in Ohio? Because they did. They did a bunch of flights there at uh, at uh, what's now what parts of Wright Patterson Airfield Air Base, I believe. Right. It it was a while. I yeah. can't quote you a date, but it wasn't like they got back from the uh, holiday trip to Kitty Hawk, and were flying again in early 1904. They, uh, they 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 crashed the machine on the last flight. Wind caught it and turned it upside down and right. basically destroyed it. But they already had some data and the input from both pilots, and they knew that there were things that they wanted to change. So they built all new. They built an all new machine, and I don't recall right off the top when right. that flew. But I want to say 1908. 1904. 1904, okay. According to Wikipedia. There we go. Thank you very much. I'm glad. We do have, in fact, have a device. Well, is that what it says, Jeb, that they flew in Ohio in 04? Yeah. In, in 1904, the Wrights built the Flyer 2. Mm-hmm. They decided to avoid the expense of travel and bringing supplies to the Outer Banks and set up an airfield at Huffman Prairie. There you go. A, a cow pasture eight miles northeast of Dayton. Yep, I've never been there, but and it's not an airport now, but it's a it's a, a landmark. It's a place you can go to and uh, uh-huh. you know uh-huh. kind of uh, experience yeah. the ground. The, 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 the couple of a couple of sentences later, it says they invited reporters to their first attempt of the year on May twenty three. So this would have been May twenty three, nineteen oh four. There we go. Okay, on the on the condition that no photographs be taken, engine troubles and slack winds prevented any flying, and they could manage only a very short hop. A few days later, with fewer reporters present. Okay. I suppose if I was conspiracy-minded, I would think that was suspicious-sounding, but I'm not. So, uh, you know, and I've read lots of stories about they did. They were really, really true. You know, whether or not you buy the whole catapult thing, the heavy winds at Kitty Hawk, kind of being a, uh, you know, qualifying the the accomplishment. I've read that the flying they did at uh, and in at back in Dayton was very real flying. Um, they- yeah, well, yeah, there's there's a lot of detail. There are more than I really was aware of um, about their 1904 flights out of Dayton, um, and I'm still fuzzy on the whole catapult thing. Yeah, I, I well. Let me look at this. You Go ahead. Talk, about, talk you, about something else. You dig into that, and while you're doing that, I'm going to say, welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson, coming to you from high atop Lookout Point in beautiful Nottingham, New Hampshire, um, where I've, I've returned to after a, an exciting adventure, which included Oshkosh. The highlight, for sure, was Oshkosh. And, uh, and I'm now here to, uh, talking in our virtual hangar with my two good friends. Uh, one of them is uh, not looking something up on Wikipedia, so I'll say hi to Dave Higdon from uh, the air capital of the world, Wichita, Kansas. Hi, David. What's going on? Uh, not a whole lot, but I, I, I think we're valid in uh, strenuously uh, defending the Wright brothers' claim to first flight uh, yeah. with the 1903 and the 1904 and the 1905 flying that they did. I think all of those beat out in 1906. So, yeah, doing fine. Uh, finally, I think I'm re- 
95% recovered from uh, Oshkosh, which means there's only 75% to go. Yeah. <laughs> and that other voice or that other laugh out there is uh, my other good friend here in our virtual hangar. It's uh, from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida, Jeb Burnside. Hi, Jeb. What's going on? What's funny? I'm just looking up stuff on the internet. Uh, um, he yeah, always <laughs> makes me laugh, too. Yeah. So I did a. I, I, I we're, we're talking about the Wright brothers, and I we're talking about the Wikipedia page for the Wright brothers, and I just did a Control F on it for the word catapult. Okay. And I the, don't, what, the, oh, F. Okay. The, yeah. 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 Okay. For the yeah. word catapult. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And the first reference to well, the first entry of the word catapult in that in that page focuses back to 1904. Okay. Oh, four. Uh, oh, four, not oh, three, not at Kitty Hawk. Um, this is on August 13, and this will be of oh, four. On August 13, making an unassisted takeoff, Wilbur finally exceeded their best Kitty Hawk effort with a flight of 1,300 feet. Then they decided, then they decided to use a weight-powered catapult to make takeoffs easier and tried it for the first time on September 7 of oh, four. Hmm. Now, I don't know if that means the first time at Dayton or the first time ever. So, again, I'm still real fuzzy on this whole catapult thing. Well, that's, you, you make a good point here. Now I'm doing Wikipedia, or doing Google searches here. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uncontrolled airspace. Come for the airplane, stay for the Googling. <laughs> that's right. Well, I'm Googling now. Dave, uh, Jeb, you tell us what's going on. How is everything other than the uh, Google stuff? I'm once again basking in the glow, putting to bed another issue of Aviation Safety Magazine. I actually did that earlier today. So, um, and it's uh, sleeping it, soundly. If you if you hear me laughing hysterically in the background or or crying or or something like that, um, there's ample reason for it. Um, that plus recovering from from Oshkosh and. Uh, uh, assorted other adventures uh, earlier in the year and whatnot. That, it all adds up. So, yeah. uh, right now, I'm just looking forward to getting through August. And uh, as, with as much rain as we've had and, and apparently are going to have, um, I'll probably be doing it at home for a while instead of outside. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. There you go. So you have you have you found anything on catapults? No, now I too am confused on the whole subject because you're right. It doesn't. It, sometimes it explicitly doesn't. Well, we're going to do this. Well, all right, listeners, tell us. Send us email. Uh, post in the forums or send us email. Podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com. To straighten us out here. What, did they use a catapult in, during the O3 flights? Uh, that's that's the question. I don't think they did. Yeah, well, I, I can be. I'm willing to be corrected, which makes our they claim used, takes away one of the big you know criticisms of our claim. So I'm all, I'm perfectly I, happy. I, I don't think. I don't think they did, but I do know that they used a rail. Right. And can yeah. you tell us what the wheels were, what the original use of the wheels were that they used on that rail uh, to launch their airplane? Well, one would think that they might have been bicycle wheels, but I don't know. Bicycle hubs. Bicycle hubs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Well, anyways. Um, uh, you know, know, anyway. And, and. All due respect to uh, Dumont and his, his right. great pioneering right. work with the aviation. Uh, he advanced it for sure, um, and I'm sure he had a lot of firsts, a lot of things he did that he you know demonstrated before anybody else. But, but Wright brothers. In, in the meantime, Embraer in Brazil has uh, turned into quite a business aircraft and airliner manufacturer uh, in, in the last 20 years, thanks in part to uh, Cessna. 
So it's true. How did Cessna? By the way, I agree. A great example of how Brazil's doing some great things these days. How did Cessna help them? Uh, by licensing the manufacture of some of the Cessna models by Embraer at facilities in uh, ah. in uh, Brazil. So it helped them get a financial base and be stable. Is what you're saying? Well, it helped them learn how airplanes go together and how to work the metal and and. Uh, a little design engineer, bring in some engineers and look at it and say, oh, that's what this is for. Ah, okay. And it's not a big step to being able to do it yourself Yeah. if you're already an engineer. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So all three of us have uh, somewhat recently returned from Oshkosh. Uh, we overlapped in Oshkosh for about 12 hours, which was yeah. <laughs> unfortunate, <laughs> yeah. but uh, as much my fault as anybody's, so uh, I'll take the credit there. But uh, it was good to see. Uh, I hung out with, with Dave for a while. Jeb, it was good to see you for at least a little while. We had some, yeah, had some yeah. fun well, we times had some there. Fun. And, yeah, we had some fun. You know, we had dinner. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, how, well, yours is going to be the interesting trip home, Jeb, so I'm going to ask you last. Um, David, because <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you did it right. You flew. Dave and I both drove. David, how was your drive home? You, you did a jack. You drove and did you actually sleep in a rest area? You did it all on one basically long leg, right? Run basically, stop for nature, stop for gas, uh, pulled out of the campground at 1240, backed into my driveway at 245 a.m. the next morning. That's not bad at all. Yeah, that's... that's 14 hours. It was a little longer than the trip up because I missed an exit to stay on a highway I needed to be on and didn't catch that I'd missed the exit for about 15 miles because my brain and my mouth were jamming with a Jeff Rotal album that I had in the CD player. Yeah. And when I looked over and saw this sign and said, wow, my highway number is not there anymore. Oops. Right. Ooh. Yeah. You know where I do that every year when I drive to Oshkosh, I do this every year. I'm chugging up, uh, I think it's like 94 or something like that through Chicago, greater Chicago, down inner Chicago, downtown Chicago, past the loop. And you continue north and, and you want to stay on, on, I guess you're on 90 or 94 or the combined road. And then it kind of it kind of veers off to the left westbound for a little bit, and then it veers back northbound. All right, and it goes up through uh, Lake Forest area. All right, stay on the interstate the whole way. Every year, I swear, every single year, I'm cruising along, I'm having a good old time, and I'm still on the highway, and it's a big highway. And all of a sudden, I see sort of off in the distance, but on my road, a traffic light. And I go, wait a minute, that's not right. How is there a traffic light on the interstate? And suddenly the road gets a little narrower, and suddenly we lose a lane, and it turns out that I have. Is this like is this like Breezewood, uh, uh, PA? Or something? Uh, no, wait a minute. How do I know Breezewood? I know Breezewood for some reason. Go ahead. I. Anyways, that's a name. I, I must have that must have been part of my drive planning. Anyways, it turns out that what happens is, in order to stay on the interstate, you actually have to take an exit. All right, and that veers around and stays on the interstate. If you stay straight on the road, the interstate turns into ready US forty one. Your dear, you know, good old US forty one. And Which so, would get you there eventually. It does get, get you there eventually, you know. And I have this bad habit. I hate going backwards. I hate turning around and going back. <laughs> and since 41, that local 41 um, just kind of continues parallel to the interstate and rejoins the interstate about about a half hour, 45 minutes north, I just kept going. And it didn't cost me more than five minutes, I don't think. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I also, David, got distracted and, and missed my turn. 
So anyways, that was heading to Oshkosh. Um, I headed home. Uh, I also left on Saturday, Sunday. I was originally going to come back all on Monday. I, I actually had to come back to Baltimore for Lord knows why, but I did. And so I was going to drive all the way back to Baltimore on Monday and decided I wasn't wild about doing all that trip in one day. So I stayed in Oshkosh on Sunday afternoon until after the air show. I got a chance to watch the snowbirds fly one last time. And cool. uh and by then I was all packed and ready to go. And so I just piled into my rental car and, and headed south and went down to uh, Valparaiso, Indiana, where I overnighted and then continued on down to Baltimore the next day. So, uh, and it was also an un- uneventful trip um, and uh, long, but, uh, but uneventful. And I'm home. But Jeb, you did it right. And so <laughs> you did it right. Uh, we recorded a daily out by your airplane over there uh-huh. in the, uh, in the, uh, vintage camping or vintage parking slash camping area. Although you weren't uh-huh. camping out there, you were parked out there. And, uh, and then we left you alone so we wouldn't disturb you for your final prep and <clears throat> pre-flight and whatnot. My, my, the, the, my prayer meeting. That's right. Exactly. Hey, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, Got to get in the zone, man. The joke, That's right. The joke is something right. along the lines of, I, I know we pray every time you fly. So <laughs> That wasn't um, funny. Yeah, I know. And uh, and so, uh, but you eventually taxied out and... Uh, did, did, well, there was a complication. Yeah, I don't, wasn't sure whether you wanted to talk about this complication. We, what we was the talk, complication? We can, we can talk about the complication. Yeah, what was the complication? <clears throat> so after, after I shooed you all away... Yeah. And you were starting to walk back towards show center. Um, Pre-fly is complete. The door is closed. I'm strapped in. I have my hand on the key. And I look up to look around in front of me to make sure there's no kids or, or you know, somebody's pulled up with a gator or something like that. And I look over at the runway, and there's an airplane over the runway. Perfectly normal kind of occurrence, but this airplane wasn't moving. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was just kind of sitting there, and sure enough, as I'm looking at it, it stalled. It's about 50 feet above the runway. It stalled, broke left, started a started a spin, hit the ground, pointed the other way, mm-hmm. uh, pointed south, bounced, and came to rest. And uh, I'm like, wait a second, did I just see what I think I just saw? Yeah. Um, anyway, airport shut down. Um, restart, reopen maybe 20 min- minutes or so later. The runway next to me that I was parked near uh, was closed now for takeoff or closed for anything, but they had reopened runway nine. Ooh, you had a taxi uh, all the way up there? I had myself and 50 of my closest friends <laughs> well. got, got an up-close and personal viewpoint of the taxiways at Oshkosh. Because I was really, I was admiring the fact that you were clever yeah. enough to get yourself parked right near the uh, departure oh, runway yeah. for, for yeah. Sunday morning. And uh, and then, no. If this, only uh, it had been. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. That's quite a so, taxi. I've, I've, yeah. yeah, so I was about an hour late getting out. Um, I It was severe clear, pretty much, from Oshkosh to... Uh, I went over the lake to uh, Muskegon and uh, picked up an IFR over Muskegon and uh, motored on south. I stopped in Cheap Avgas, Indiana. Okay. It's, it, it's, it's on the maps. Yeah. It's on the maps. Um, and uh, topped off, uh, took a potty break, grabbed some water, a couple of snacks, um, chatted with the line guy for, you know, I was there about an hour or so, just, you know, just stretching my legs and whatnot. And got back in and launched for... Uh, uh, for Sarasota and uh, got in a little bit after dark 
uh, same evening, obviously. Yeah. And uh, um, licking, been licking my wounds ever since. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. And uh, and and not not you weren't wounded very badly either because you always I don't quite understand how you do this. This is this is a this is the pattern that you follow every year. It seems to work very well for you. Uh-huh. Is you fly north to Oshkosh. Um, and, and, you know, we tease you about the starting before noon thing, but you're usually pretty good about getting a reasonably, you know, before noon start. You know, so you get going north. On your way to Oshkosh, it seems that most times you overnight someplace uh, on the way. I have been lately. Yeah. Um, the last three or four years. Um, now, let me think. Last year... I don't remember what I did last year. Yeah, but well, here's the point oh. of my question. All right, so yeah, yeah. so you overnight to get there. All right, uh-huh. but then you almost always manage to come home on the uh-huh. in one day. In fact, almost in daylight hours, in spite of when you leave. I mean, look at this. You were, you know, it was probably eleven ish when we left you at the airplane. All right, and it was about a quarter. Yeah, I had my hand on the key about a quarter to eleven right. local time, and then you lost it, an hour because of the of the unfortunate exactly. stuff. All right, um, and then. Uh, and you still made it home just somewhat after dark, not wildly after dark, as I not understand. Not wildly after dark. Yeah, and I don't correct. understand how you do this, all right? Because it should be the other way around, all right? With, what would the time change, you know, the time zone change and everything like that? You should make it to Oshkosh in more like daylight hours. That should be the easier trip. And coming home is the one that should kind of cost you. I don't, how do you do this? Is there some sort of time zone? Is there? Is there no, like a, no. Is there like here, you get up into the jet stream? Is there like tailwinds going home? And- <laughs> no, it's not like that at all. Here's here's one of the fundamental operational considerations of all that. Yes, and that is the Oshkosh arrival. Uh, uh, okay. See, uh, I've been I've been going in last couple of years when the Nodem's been active. Okay, and that means anything can happen. Yes. Uh, so two things I want a bunch of when I get up there for that. One of them is fuel. Mm-hmm. And that pretty much mandates stopping in route, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some backstory to this year's uh, flight up, but I'll, you know, I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, it also means kind of being fresh. And um, I've, I've got to stop somewhere. Why not, you know, try to combine that into something? In years past, I've I've stopped various places and, and roomed uh, with old friends, or or you know, kind of checked out some old stomping grounds, mm-hmm. things of that of that sort on the way. Um, trying to break the the flight up a little bit. It's 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 one thing to you know spend seven hours in the airplane and uh, land at uh, a destination where there's very few things that can interfere with with your your normal approach and arrival, right. like traffic or somebody landing gear up on the runway mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Uh, other assorted variables that we all know and love about trying to get into Oshkosh during the show. Um, coming back in home, uh, basically very, taxi up to your bedroom, basically. Exactly, yeah. exactly, and and generally there's no other traffic, and and the runway is always open, yada yada. Um, that all having been said, last year I stopped off on the way home and spent the night. Um, so it wasn't always, you know, it hasn't always okay. been the same day. All right. Uh, this year, uh, kind of a shout out here, um, um, stopped in Athens, Georgia on the way up mm-hmm. and um, picked up a uh, podcast listener, uh, uh, Jughead Pilot. Jarhead pilot, excuse me, jarhead pilot. Jarhead pilot. Jarhead. 
Yeah, Jarhead Pilot from the forums, uh, who's uh, also a captain for Delta. And uh, we motored on up to Madison. He had reason to be there. Um, and it was, it was a great place to uh, try to do an overnight. I'm, I was literally 15 minutes flying time from Oshkosh from there. Right. I got up fresh the next morning, had full tanks. My belly was full. I was, you know, tanned, rested, and ready. And, you know, that's the kind of thing I like to be when I try to tackle the arrival going into Oshkosh. Now, now that so. you explain it, it makes total sense. Makes yeah. total sense. Yeah. yeah. Makes, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we got it. We're home for another year and uh, until we do it again or it's something like it again. We'll see. Well, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Oh, changing tones here for just a second here. Um, a follow-up on a story that we've talked about at least once in the past, um, a, a sad follow-up. Uh, we talked a couple of different times in the past about um, a guy who was building a uh, replica of the Bugatti racer. Um, this is uh, in, uh, I'm trying to think, near Oklahoma. Oh, the, the P100, the twin-engine, yeah. twin-prop, counter-rotating, yeah. concentric drive shaft. Yeah. Very sadly, tech, very sadly, um, he, uh, he, he, uh, a couple days ago, he crashed. the The builder uh, crashed that airplane and and uh, and was killed in the crash as well. So, uh, our, our condolences to to his family and 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 to uh, everybody involved with that for that that sad sad situation. It was a cool project and a and a, and a really funky looking airplane. Um, yeah. It's really too early to have any information about what happened. Um, so uh, uh, we won't even go there just now. But I just wanted to kind of you know we've talked about it in the past and we admired the work and uh and i just wanted to recognize that uh um, his passing yeah scotty scotty wilson brought the partially finished airframe up to oshkosh about three or four years ago uh-huh. so it had it in the welcome center mm-hmm. uh oh that's right be- yes we just see beautiful yeah yeah it's just a beautiful design and the the way that uh, the d- original designer, Ettore Bucati, set up the engines in there, one a little ahead of the other, both of them canted a little bit to keep them in that narrow fuselage. Just genius. Yeah. So um, our condolences to uh, his family and to everybody involved with that project on, on their terrible loss. Let's talk about Oshkosh for just a couple minutes here. Just kind of looking back on on now that we've had a chance to catch our breath and and uh, um, what what kind of stands out in your mind? What was the what was your favorite thing that you saw there this year? Um, either of you, something come to mind quickly? I'll go first while you think about that. I mean, and it's what I predicted I would like, and I really did like it. The snowbirds, uh, snowbirds right. were just right. a blast. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, as I said, I stayed. I stayed late that second, that, that last day, just so that I could see them fly once again. I got to see them fly twice. The first time um, on Saturday afternoon, I saw them fly from um, Camp B over in Camp Scholar, where we were all staying. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we um, and it's it's a different kind of experience. It was very pretty to see them from a distance like that, um, and I enjoyed it a lot. And it remembered me, it reminded me what I liked so much about them. But I, I watching them from 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 Scholar and thinking, I really wish that I was down on the flight line tomorrow. I'm going to watch them on the flight line, and so I was right down as far forward as they let you go and i watched almost at show center and i watched them down there and it was just even more spectacular that was that's a real high point for me i really really enjoyed yeah. watching the uh, the uh, snowbirds and uh, hopefully that won't be another 25 years before i get to see them again yeah i i enjoyed them too and and talked to a couple of people um 
um, who uh, also had seen them maybe for the first time or or at least the first time recently. And we were all just just agog at uh, what they do and, and how they do it and how well they do it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're putting on like a 30-minute show. And they're flying within a meter of each wingtip, and it's, yeah. it's the whole time, yeah. uh, almost. And it's just an amazing feat of skill. Yeah. It really is it uh, on is. all their parts. Yeah, it truly is. I mean, it's like you know, um, when when the two solos you know break off and do their own thing, it's still a seven ship formation. All right, you know, it's just well, like it's crazy. Well, for the first show they did, which actually was a warm up, it wasn't one of their official shows. My understanding is one of the snowbirds mechanical. Yeah, I heard and that he, story. He, he dropped out of formation. He was trailing. You could see him trailing the formation. He dropped out of formation, and the formation went off and kind of out of sight and um, kind of below the radar literally and figuratively. The guy who had been trailing circled back and landed. Mm-hmm. Um, got in another airplane. That's what I heard, yes. Took off and rejoined the formation and completed the the flight. Yep, uh, in in the backup airplane, and that kind of gives you an idea of how long their demonstration is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which was uh, it's truly course, thirty minutes long uh, yeah, or more. Yeah, it's yeah. it's definitely a thirty minute long thing, and and uh, so the snowbirds were clearly a, a big deal. Um, the the um, uh, the tie down party was a big deal. Oh yeah. Uh, um, the other big deal was the night air show, and I got to keep coming back to this. The, the Aeroshell team has lights in their cowlings. <laughs> so, listeners, just let me attest to the fact that Jeb's not the only one who seems to be really flipping out about this. I heard a number of people reference the fact that there are lights in the cowlings, and what does this do? It somehow lights up the. You can see. Obviously, you can't see the pistons moving. What do you see? You can't so- see the pistons. Well, these are radial engines in these T6s. Oh, the aerosol okay, yeah. is flying. And so you the, the, you have, you know, the cylinders arrayed around a central crankcase. Yeah. Uh, um, and they put the lights, apparently, behind the cylinders in the on the firewall or something like that. And you can see the individual cylinders. That's cool. They're, they're silhouetted by the light. And the light's a, a bright LED-like light. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it kind of looks like maybe the cowling's on fire, or the you know it's, it, obviously it's not, but the whole thing is just over the top. Yeah. Well, and there's also front lighting on the inside of the nacelle uh, that kind of provides some contrast for the front of the cylinders. It's very tech. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But there's the Aeroshell team has lights in their engine counts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I did see the night show on, on Saturday. I, I conf- well, and again, I was back at Camp Scholar. I didn't see, see it that close, so I didn't, I didn't really uh, spot this thing. But I heard a number of different people raving about this, so maybe I'm going to have to look more closely. I don't know. Maybe when we're down south at that other air show, I, they'll, they do a night show, too. So yeah, we'll, I'll yeah. look more closely. They, they, they were lit up down there this year, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Both the night shows, uh, they've had them lit up for. I think this is a second season that they've had them lit up, but they're light. They're lit up more now than they were the first season. So there's something different. I never really noticed it before, and maybe it's because I'd never really paid that much attention to the night air shows at, at either uh, Oshkosh or that other show. Um, but 
it, it just grabbed me this year, uh, kind of by the throat, <laughs> and and uh, I've just been kind of agog with that also, though, ever since I first saw it. It's like, wow. So uh, anyway, uh, um, so those are those are my top three. Yeah. Well, now let me ask you if this is one of your top things because I didn't get a chance to see the uh, Martin Mars uh, flying boat. Um, yeah, that fly. was that's that's a that was a big deal. Um, I understand they had some trouble later in the week, but uh, um, yeah, that was a big deal. What I've seen, you know, water. I've seen at least video of water bombers dropping dropping their water load and whatnot. Um, obviously, not a Martin Mars doing it, and certainly not a Martin Mars. You know, I won't say up close and personal, but certainly within the same zip code. Um, that's a big machine. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's it's so big. You know, it's got to be doing 120 knots at least just to stay airborne. I would think maybe a little bit, maybe a few less, but not much less. Um, and it just looks like it's going so slowly. So it's so majestic when it's when it's doing it. But it's of course, you know, as big as a football field. So it's uh, so big. How big, how big is, is it? it? It's so big that the mechanic can go down inside the wing to add oil to the engines while it's in flight. That's what someone was saying. I know, yeah. It's so big, Lake Winnebago wasn't big enough for it. Well, apparently not. So, and, and I've heard, now heard varying stories about exactly what happened. Um, they, uh, uh, what seems to be undeniable is that um, they suffered some sort of engine problem, um, possibly the result of a bird strike. I saw one story that said that they suffered a bird strike, but they had some sort of engine problem, um, and the report was they were making a precautionary landing out in the middle of the lake as opposed to where I guess they must have been normally. I guess they wanted more options in the event they had problems with the landing. And so they were landing out in the middle of the lake, and then I heard one report that said during the actual touchdown, um, what we would call the rollout, what they, they must call it something else, um, and I saw... I heard. I heard another report that said it was during the taxi back to shore, but somehow, some way, they struck something which ripped a pretty good hole apparently in the bottom of this thing. All right, and I mean, and it was it was going down. I mean, there was water, and so um, I heard one report that they at Oshkosh they taxied it into shallow uh, uh, water. So in the event that it they couldn't keep, and so they had had all kinds of bilge pumps, and they were just pumping water out of this thing. And in the event they couldn't keep ahead of it, it would just settle onto the bottom and not go under. Um, and uh, they apparently did a temporary repair. We had heard reports on Sunday that they had dive team out there that were actually underneath, right. um, t- looking, you know, inspecting the damage. And then I heard another report later on that they then put a temporary patch on this on this gash or whatever it is um, that allowed them to feel confident about flying home. Um, and so they did, in fact, fly home after a couple of days. I heard a report that um, that the patch actually ripped off in flight. Is what I again. These are unsubstantial, un you know confirmed reports that the patch actually ripped off. Um, but they managed to get the aircraft back to its home base, um, where not only they have better repair facilities, but they have the ability to haul it out of the water. Um, they had these dolly things that they can put it on and actually bring it out of the water. And so they can do more substantial repairs. Apparently, it's a pretty good damage, like to a very nearly structural part of the airplane. Yeah. The keel yeah. or something like that. Very, very sad because it was very, well, I, mean, I was going to say generous. I'm sure they got some compensation or some, some offsetting funds. But it was very generous of them to bring that airplane to Oshkosh and for them to suffer a great big expense. You know, well, it, it, the airplane's for sale. 
I understand and, it's for sale, and he wants to show it off. And, and you know. right, I was going to say, what better showcase? Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. got to figure EA bought him some gas, you know, and things like that. So you know, there's, there's, but nevertheless. It's too bad because it's a it really cool oh, airplane yeah. for it to get hurt this badly. And it sounds like they're going to fix it. It's not like it's going to you know go away. But it's a pretty oh big, no, pretty it's, big it's, it's uh, gonna, damage apparently. It's yeah. going to get repaired. Yeah, yeah. Hey, one correction I want to make here. Um, we said perhaps in one or two of the dailies, and I know we said it during the Sunday episode. Uh, we suggest when we were raving about how big the crowds were, and they were really big. Um, um, the numbers we've seen now, every category was bigger than last year. Um, in some of them, it's pretty substantially bigger than last year. We at one point reported that we had heard that Camp Scholler actually closed its gates to arrivals for a brief period of time. Um, and uh, I happened to run... Well, so then I heard through a third party later on that uh, our friend Charlie Becker, all right, um, was listening to the stream live and was hollering at the stream saying, no, no. <laughs> it didn't do that. They didn't close it. All right. As and, most of all the listeners do at one point or another. <laughs> yes, I know. It's, it's the, you know, you're not really a true UCAP listener if you haven't hollered at your iPod. But uh, so... Uh, um, and What's then, an iPod? Yes, I know. And then that afternoon, um, Sunday afternoon, as I was heading back, um, I guess it must have been after the Snowbirds, I, I was wandering, I was sort of wandering a, a beam um, theater in the woods there, and I saw Charlie's, uh, Charlie has a very distinctive EA vehicle. It's a, uh, it's a uh, somewhat modified, brightly colored Volkswagen thing that he drives around the grounds. And so I saw his vehicle and I said, oh, I got to say, you know, say hi, say goodbye. I hadn't actually seen Charlie that year, this year yet. Um, so I wander over and he's talking to a crowd of people, one of whom has his back to me. All right. And as I get closer, I realize the person with his back to me was Jack Pelton, the uh, chairman of the board of EAA. And so I th I'm thinking, oh man, they're having some sort of big mucky muck conversation here. So I kind of backed off and kind of stood at a distance waiting for them to finish. And Charlie waves me over at one point and, you know, introduces me to everybody. And that was kind of cool. But then he says, but Jack, he says, I know you guys aren't big on fact checking. He says, <laughs> <laughs> but and I said, yeah, Charlie, I know what you're going to talk about i heard about this i heard you yelling from the announcer stand you know and he's laughed and uh and i said yeah i said i've already i already corrected this on on twitter i did post a, on a tweet that said uh, that it never closed shoulder never closed its doors and and charlie right then and there asked jack pelton he said just just to make sure i've got this right did we ever close stop taking arrivals if you will to camp shoulder and jack pelton said no they didn't do that this year uh, it got tight it was very very crowded there were a lot of people in the campgrounds but uh you know it, it's see I was always dubious about this because it's a thing. All right, Camp Schroller always has space. You can always get into Camp Schroller. You might have to shoehorn you in your tent into some little corner, but you can get into Camp Schroller. Right, you might be two miles from the nearest food, yeah, but, but it's all part of Camp Schroller, and you're in the camp, and you're there, and you got a place to pitch your tent. And uh, with the possible exception of Sploshkosh, they've never turned people away from the campground. So that that tradition lives on. And no, 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 no. Hang on a second. What? What? Don't don't come back with some half-assed, with the possible exception of. Okay. Say just it, say they've ne to our, to the no, best no, of well, our knowledge, whatever they've never closed uh, Scholler, and then let's talk about the next item. Okay, all right, we'll talk. Don't about it. don't qualify it. Don't qualify it. All right. I, Charlie's yelling at his iPod right now. You, but yeah. uh, but we'll let that go. Let's see now. I sent you guys but a picture. Is, is that what the uh, Scholler plane looked like? Did you see this? 
He's yelling at you, not at me. Okay. I don't know. Uh, it depends on which one of us is right and which one of us is wrong. Um, I sent you guys a picture, a link to a picture. Uh, did you look yes. at the picture? Is that what, yes, you, that. Is that what you're yes. raving about? Well, that looks That's pretty cool. That's part of it, yeah. That looks and, pretty and then, cool. Then multiply that by four and yeah. put it at you know 100 knots over yeah. your head, about yeah. five, 500 feet above your head. I'm looking at one of the, I presume it's one of the aeroshell aircraft, um, with lights, like you say, inside the cowling, you know, lighting up the, but I kind of had pictured a side view, but you're right, it's a radial, so there wouldn't be a side view. You wouldn't see into the into the engine or into the cowling. It's from nose on. It's like, you know, yeah. with the propeller spinning, that must be especially cool. It must you know, almost strobe a little bit. That would be, the yeah. propeller spins too? Yeah, okay, all right. Damn, wow. Where are we? I, What's next? I, so that's it. Anything else? Was there anything we missed at Oshkosh? Was there anything that we thought we'd see this year that we didn't see? I, I was hoping I'd see that Volocopter thing, that uh, 35-bladed, yeah. you know, uh, human-carrying... You know, multicopter, uh, flying Qu- Cuisinart. Yeah, right. Well, no, this one's pretty cool. This one I think has a lot of potential, and it doesn't seem like it's going to chop you up necessarily. You know, so yeah, David, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, there, there there were some workshops on my list, that, and and some forum subjects on my list that I never got to. Because there was so bloody much other stuff going on. I know, huh? And my clients were real nice and generous to me and upped my workload by 100% after I got there. And and it was just lovely being able to go back to the campground like at 4, 4.15 in the afternoon and know that I'd put in a full day and was done with all I needed to do for the day and put my feet up and, and open up a, a barley pop or something. But... Absolutely, the coolest. The, <laughs> yeah, the coolest thing for me was watching Wednesday night's air show from the opposite side of the runway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know we've been Jeb, wanting to do that for years, and uh, you guys got to do it this time. That's very cool. And that's but, part of the part of the attraction of the whole thing for me too. But go ahead, Dan. Well, I just to say, Jim mentioned having the T uh, sixes of the aeroshell team go, you know, come overhead a little over a hundred feet high, and that's because we were on the on the east side of 1836, where they have to go over something because they're not allowed to go over the crowd west of 1836. So we were sitting right where they were making turns and coming in and entering the stuff, and uh, just wonderful venue. Uh, Hats off to Wayne Daniels. uh, Really appreciated the hospitality. Uh, that that was the showstopper for me. Yeah. yeah, I wish I had done that. He's been inviting us for years, and we always had an obligations because we had the newspaper stuff and other things that we're involved with. It's it's been impossible for us to go over there, and uh, you know things change. So you guys got to go this year. Very cool. I'm glad that worked out. It's yeah, it uh, sounds like it was great. It sounds like it was. it was great. Yeah. All right. What else? There's other things going on in the aviation world here. Let's see. In no particular order. Let's see. I, I just saw this story today. Um, it says IAOPA, which is apparently International Airline or That's aircraft, correct. aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. That's correct. Press, pre, the, the headline says IAOPA pressing for worldwide driver's license medical. All right. And basically now I've said everything I know about this. I, I presume this is in, in, you know, kind of reaction to the success we're finally have with having with getting this going in the U.S. It is it? What's, what's this all about? Who knows something about this? Who can pretend they know something about this? Well, the International Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association is uh, an amalgam of AOPAs and uh, Canadian Owners and Pilots Association, and they are General Aviation's official representative 
to the International Civil Aviation Organization, which is a body of the United Nations. ICAO is headquartered up in Montreal. We, the IAOPA has a representative up there, as does uh, Gamma, or the United States, I should say, not Gamma. Uh, but the United States has a representative. He has an ambassador title. Uh, that's a good place to be pushing substantive fundamental changes like this because if you can get it through ICAO, then it's much more likely to get picked up by the other countries that belong to ICAO. Now, we don't have exactly the driver's license medical for all private pilots here. What we have is a medical exemption that Congress passed. We have a driver's license medical for sport pilot. But that doesn't include all the stuff that's available under this new medical exemption, which is up to 6,000 pounds, uh, 250 knots, up to 18,000 feet, day, night, VFR, IFR, multi-engine, retractable, it doesn't matter. Uh, that would be really groundbreaking if, if IAOPA was able to move that forward in ICAO. Mm-hmm. Because... <laughs> For one thing, it would open up the door to broader acceptance of our medical exemption by other countries. And right. as we found out interviewing the head of uh, uh, Bernard Gervais, the head of the Canadian Owners and Pilots Association, that exemption won't let you fly in Canada right now. Right, yeah. right. Can, you know, I, and I did listen to that episode, but now I'm trying to recall whether you asked him, that, can you even overfly Canada? Can you make the shortcut from Buffalo to Detroit, or are you not even allowed to overfly Canada? Technically, you would not be allowed to overfly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, okay. Well, I guess we'll be rooting for this. Uh, anything else you want yeah, to add about this? I, I the, same, the same would be true for Mexico, Bahamas, um, the Caymans, Cuba, mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. Um, unless or until you also have a, a third-class medical to go with it. Right. Interesting. Do we think, yeah. this, but, is there hope, Is this, or is this just the early, early oh, stages of trying to make some... This is the early, early stages. Um, they finally got third-class medical, uh, the exemption through after, you know, depending, <laughs> depending, on when you, depending on when you start counting, five years or 25 years. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. Um, yeah. So, who knows? Yeah. Well, here's here's something that I'm encouraged by. Uh, the Bahamas, as a nation, were the first country to accept the U.S. sport pilot qualifications for people that want to fly out from Florida to the Bahama Islands. Okay. If you got a U.S. sport pilot uh, certificate and you're flying a legal uh, light sport aircraft in the United States, you can fly yourself to the Bahamas, okay. you know, passport and paperwork notwithstanding. Uh very quickly after President Obama signed this into law on the 15th, I started hearing scuttlebutt that the Bahamas were looking at changing their rules to accept that exemption as well, so the third-class exemption as well, so Good. that people could fly over when, with, uh, without a third-class medical as long as they were still qualified to fly under the FAA exemption that we're expecting in the next 11 months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know the Bahamas have always been very proactive about encouraging, um, you know, flying over there for tourism reasons, I would imagine. Um, and so it stands to reason that they would jump on this. That's why they did the sport pilot thing, and that's why they might also do this. I would oh, imagine. absolutely. And that's why I expect that uh, by the time we're down in Florida for sun and fun, now this is just me blue sky. But that's a small enough country with a small enough regulatory base and, and uh 
its own way of doing things. It, it, it would surprise me greatly if they had not changed their rules to allow pilots, U.S. pilots flying on this third-class exemption to fly over to the Bahamas from the United States by the time Sun and Fun opens up this spring. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would have given them enough time to sort it out, and obviously it would be a great place for them to announce it, you know, given the proximity. Being, to, being uh, and, and for one of the operations in Florida to organize a flyout like they've done with the uh, light sport people the last yeah, couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Jeb, anything you want to add to this IAOPA thing? Not a thing. Um, it's It's a natural progression. Who knows where it'll go? Yeah. Somewhat related, but but another subject here. So we've all been very excited about the uh, third-class medical exemption thing um, happening as part of the FAA reauthorization. Um, the uh, Another way we had been hoping, uh, sort of another iron we had in the fire, if you will, was uh, by way of the Pilot's Bill of Rights uh, 2, um, PBOR 2. Is the PBOR 2 still a thing? Um, the, what's going on? There's more stuff in there than just third-class medical exemption, right? Yeah, yeah, I would refer you to James's coverage in Airvenger today. Okay, I'll uh, find a link to that. Yeah, where he talked he talked with Inhofe um, about all of it. I'll find it here shortly. Mm-hmm. And and my understanding is that Inhofe adamantly uh, maintains that uh, uh, first of all, no, uh, what passed as far as the medical exemption is concerned is just a subset of PBOR2, mm-hmm. and PBOR2 still remains a viable uh, measure. Yeah, okay. Yeah, James was with us on the Sunday episode, and he spoke a little bit just in, you know, we had a limited time, but he did give us some summary about his conversation with Inhofe and also with the administrator um, on a couple of different subjects, but uh, the, how this this uh, third-class medical exemption thing is actually going to play out. And uh, But yeah, I, I'd like to take a look at that article from, from the full article. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll credit to Senator Inhofe. He pulled it off. Oh yeah, he, yeah. he not oh, only yeah. got PBOR through too, but he got the medical exemption language, which wasn't included in his original draft of what he wanted to do, and he brought it in so that it was included. Once it all got in, it, he had enough support there, and the General Aviation Caucus in both chambers uh, pretty much gave us a majority. All we had to do was get the bloody thing up for a vote. Right. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. The, the, the senator, I've never met the senator, all right, but uh, he seems to be something of a character. He certainly had a couple of, uh, of notable uh, uh, incidents in his flying career. Um, and, uh, you know, and I'm not sure if I agree with him on every particular subject he might be a, a, a proponent of. <laughs> but uh, but he, is, he is a genuine champion of general aviation. Um, and, uh, and, and I personally thank him a lot for everything he's done to promote general aviation. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know. Is that a fair statement? You guys have met him. I know, I know Jeb, you've met him a number of times. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fair statement. I mean, he's, 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 I mean, he, he has his own, he marches to his own drummer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would okay. love to, wouldn't it be great to go hang out at his camp? Cause he camps at Camp Scholler. I mean, like, right. you know. Well, he's not in Scholler. He just, he just camps. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, I thought he camped in Camp Scholler, but he camps. Sometimes it's at Scholler. Sometimes it's, it's elsewhere on the ground. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. He usually has a camp with his airplane. Yeah. Right. And, uh, 
Uh, and that's all usually in the North 40. You know what? I think I, I would love to, to bring a six-pack of beer and sit down with him at his camp. And I think he might be a kind of an interesting guy on most every subject. <laughs> but uh, right. I think, you know, he'd be an interesting guy in every subject. Um, and uh, that that would be kind of interesting. But uh, anyways, a uh, genuine champion of general aviation. Has uh, done some great things, made some things happen that seemed unlikely, quite frankly. Um, or at least made them happen faster. And that seemed un- it seemed unlikely that it happened as quickly as they did. Well, he's got an op-ed actually in um, one of the uh, issues of Air Venture today. Um, let me figure out which date it is. I think it's Fridays. Yeah, it's Friday the the 29th, uh, like page 24, something like that. There's an op-ed by by Inhofe. But I'm trying to find James's uh, uh, article. Um, well, wait a minute. Uh, did you? Are you not the one who sent the link? Someone just sent me a link. Was it Dave? I did not send. Oh, the Dave link. sent the link. It's in Skype. Take a look, and maybe that's the one you're thinking of. Forum update: Pilots' Bill of yeah. Rights by James Winbrandt. Um, oh, that's what we're looking for. Yeah, Bingo. D- dated July yeah. 29, 2016. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll take a look at that. And uh, um, so, anyways, yeah, if you didn't read it at Air- while you were at Oshkosh, you can read it now. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So let's exactly. see, where was I? What was next here? I got way too many windows open here. Let me get rid of the picture of the airplane with the lights and it's cowling as cool as it might be. And uh, yeah, he says, says my yeah, says my quote from the article. My goal is to get back into session in Congress four weeks from now and pass the rest of PBOR two. Um, and then of course, uh, says uh, those Saturdays forum will focus on PBOR two. I know what's going to happen. He said we're going to start getting questions about other issues, and if necessary, those additional issues will be addressed in PBOR three. He promised. Okay, all right. Okay. You know, you, you, so for, you got to like it. Yeah, right. From now on, we'll just call it PBOR in. Yeah, PBOR in. Right. Yeah, PBOR, PBOR star. Ask PBOR PBORN. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the guy didn't have enough airplanes. He flew a Grumman Tiger up to Oshkosh with his son. Uh-huh. Uh, he also has an RV-8, a Harman rocket, and a twin-engine Cessna 340, in which he made dubious history. And when he was criticized as being too old for the Senate, he told the people that when he was too old to fly upside down, he'd be too old for the Senate. So then they shot a commercial with him upside down in the RV-8. That's great for his reelection campaign. Yeah. Okay, yeah, there we go. That that that's follow through, man. That's yeah. just great follow through. So uh, PBOR two should still be on our radar, so to speak, and uh, um, for well, it's now the law. No, no, no. PBOR two, not not the uh, medical exemption. The PBOR but it it was in the it was in the reauthorization. Parts right. of it were, but I thought that there were not all of yeah. not all of PBOR two was in the reauthorization. Just the medical reform portion. So, we'll talk more about this. But you know, Charlie's yelling at his iPod again. We're going to learn more about how what the differences are, and, and we'll come back to you in, in a future episode with uh, with details of what remains unique and un un uh, unenacted in PBOR two. Uh, starting to reach the end of our allotted time here, Jeb. You just you're not buying this. You're not thinking this is the way to go. Guy jumps out of an airplane. This is a stunt. He did this on purpose for uh, yeah, some sort yeah. of, you know, I don't know what, you know, uh, uh, a Guinness Book of World Records or I don't know what. I'm not, I haven't even read the article. I've seen the headlines. Right. Guy right. jumps out of an airplane apparently without a parachute, period. He intentionally jumped out of, out of a parachute with the intention of landing in some sort of 
net big, or airbag. A big, or, a big net. Yeah. All right. A and, big net. I, wa- I watched the video. And pulled it off, I guess, right? He, 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 he walked away. Yeah. So, but... See, and Jeb, you're, you're, and I can't, it's a family podcast, so I can't say what the, uh, what the little headline you put, the little slug line you put on our list is, but you just thought this was just a kind of a crazy notion. I, I think it's a little well, bit see, beyond, no, but I, yeah, you know, yeah. I know Jeb, and I thought you and I, Dave's the one who actually has done this. I thought Jeb and you and I were of like minds on the subject of jumping out of an airplane, even with a parachute is not the smartest thing anybody's ever done. I, I, yeah, I don't think it's the, the you know, smartest thing people can so do, but jumping uh, out without an, a parachute for me doesn't move the crazy needle all that much more but anyways d- David. Well, no it fairly it fairly does move the crazy needle for me <laughs> i'm sorry uh, that's that's a, like kind of like a hockey puck uh i mean a hockey stick uh, graph uh, that moves the crazy needle uh, <laughs> okay uh, well uh but, uh, you know, he, he, I mean, he did it right. I don't know what kind of practice he did. Um, yeah, really. Uh, for this. Um, jumped from, I don't know, the flight levels, apparently. Really? Uh, yeah. I uh, had two or three guys diving with him who monitored him all the way or as far down as they could. And then they started popping their chutes and let him continue. Um, oh, and so I he guess landed, if, if he landed in this, to, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, he, he landed in this big net. Holy moly, that, that picture, that, that green thing, is that the net? I can't, I don't know what picture you're talking uh, about. I'm looking at the link that's yeah. in our, on our list here. And oh, it, it's, let, me, let, me, let me open that, hang on. Because if that's the net, that's not very big. Oh, no, no, not the green thing. Oh, I see. No, not no. The net's behind him on the off his other shoulder. Well, that's even smaller than the green thing. That's, yeah, but look how high off the ground it is. Yeah, I know, but you know, I mean, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. You know, who cares how high it is? <laughs> By the time time you've reached that, I wonder how much it stretched out. I wonder, you know, it's kind of like a bungee a cord lot. thing. Well, like, there's sc- keep scrolling down. You'll see the uh, opening frame of the video or the the still from the video. Well, that, that is what I'm looking at. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah. So, anyways, um, but that's and then you look at the scale of that image uh, where he's he's in the net. Um, it's hard to say how much net is is not encapsulated in that uh, in that image. I, I don't know. It's it's still he's still uh, it's as much um, hitting a target as it is falling. Did you so you've watched these videos? What what what's the guy's demeanor? Did, did did we see his demeanor before and after? The reason I ask is this puts the me in word, mind. The word, the word witless comes to mind, but I can't tell you if that's before the jump or after. <laughs> this puts me in mind of the guy uh, who jumped from outer space. All right, only he he came down on a parachute ultimately. Right, you know this free fall guy. What was his name? You know what I'm talking about. It was about a yeah, year or two. Time, right. Yeah, I know you're talking about. And. And I remember being clearly having the impression, you know, we were watching that live, right? Um, right. He, and, yeah, he was he was pretty well mortified, yeah. I think. And I think the guy who jumped from space was petrified, all right? And I think he was really, really frightened. You could kind of see it. I thought, anyways, I could see it in his body language as he's standing at the doorway. And I'm thinking, you know, he doesn't want to do this, but he's come this far. He can't not do it now. And so he just took a deep breath and did it and pulled it off you know, I guess just barely, it got pretty dicey there for a while. And I'm wondering whether, and so, you know, in a way, so it's crazy to do any of these things in my personal view. All right. But the 
jumping from space guy at least had the common sense to be terrified. All right. <laughs> I'm wondering whether or not. How much more common sense does it take to not do this in the first place? <laughs> well, after you, after you get to terrified, when do you say no? Yeah, I know. Well, you know, there are people who have different 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 stand. You know, you're the one that says life is risk, and it's just a question of how you you know judge your risk and manage your risk and choose your risk. And uh, this when, guy clearly when, has a different standard than you and I, Jeb. And, uh, when, you, <laughs> when you're standing in the doorway of a vehicle that's just taken you up high enough to qualify for an astronaut badge, except without the G's, yeah, it, it, I'm betting that you don't really get terrified until that first second after you step out the door. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Well, I've said bottom before. Bottom falls out, and you're going to fall for five or six minutes and hit, break the sound barrier, and it's uh, unknown territory. See, I, 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 ten, I think maybe y'all are missing an, er, an earlier opportunity to be terrified, and and that is <laughs> before, you, before you even leave the ground because this is kind of a one-way trip yeah. on the balloon. Because uh, it ain't coming, you know. There's no graham crackers and a, and a bottle of milk stuffed in the corner there. The sucker ain't coming <laughs> down for a while. So we, if you want to get down, if you need to go to the potty, dude, there's only one yeah, way to no, do. It. Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe that's true. I, but yeah, it's anyways. Both of these a little crazy, but you know, there are people who do this kind of thing. You know, and men and women who who push the limits and you know stretch the envelope and whatever other metaphor you want to come up with. And uh, I'm glad the guy pulled this off. I'm glad the guy survived. Yeah, no, I, I really don't want to be one of the people who's encouraging this kind of behavior, though. I just don't. Just... <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't want the responsibility. You know, you, 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 there's nothing like that that has to be proven to me. Yeah, exactly but, right. Exactly, Jack. I. When they uh, finished giving me my five hours of skydiving instruction, yes, and I'm and I'm next to the doorway of a 182 with the door that's been modified to hinge at the top, and I'm like volunteered to be the first one to go out the door in my whole class. There were 12 of us, if I remember right. There are four other jumpers in that airplane with me: the jump master and three other students, and I'm going to go first, primarily because. I'm fearful of chickening out if I have to go second. Mm -hmm. See, I would be the complete opposite. I would not want to go first because I'm sure once I jump out of the airplane that the others are going to decide not to, yeah, and I'll be out there by myself. Yeah, well, something well, like that. All the, confidence, all the confidence literally fell away as I fell away from the airplane. And then for the next two and a half seconds, it's like, Holy effing something or other! What have I done? <laughs> yeah. Oh man! All right, I'm no, in it now. This isn't like any roller coaster I've ridden. Yeah. So, anyways. But then the parachute opened and everything was cool. Yeah. It's like you're just hanging there, and not moving, and the earth's not moving, and then the earth gets big, and then the trees get big, and then it's like, holy effing something or other! Now I gotta land this yeah, thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, anyways. All right, so the guy jumped out of an airplane without a parachute and lived to tell about it, I guess. That's a thing. Yeah, I'd be and worried about it, missing the net. Totally, of course. That's, yeah. Hey, how can you even see the net from however high he was? Hey, we got we to move on here. We're running out of time. Hey, hey, final thoughts? Got a GPS. What, what, what? Yeah, okay, that's going to make the difference. I'm, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's fine then. Okay, everything's okay. Everything's okay. Um, 
<laughs> shout outs, shout outs. What do we got here? I'm going to go first. Um, uh, my, and I'm going to go first and take advantage of the fact that I'm going first to think about what your shout outs are. Okay. So, so this is going to be, uh, this is a plan. All right. We're going to do it with a plan this time. I was. So I, as I alluded to earlier, I drove to Oshkosh and then returned from Oshkosh um, from Baltimore where I had some business. Um, I got my rental car in Baltimore. I was leaving Baltimore on my way to Oshkosh, and I, you know, and you're just kind of like flipping through radio stations as your local radio stations as you're driving, and 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 you kind of tune out the, the ads. You don't really think, you know, listen, hear the ads very much. You just kind of listen to the music and then watching the scenery. And there's an ad on this little local except, radio. except except of course ads that might be placed now or in the future on a certain podcast they would get incredible amount of attention there's no question about it but uh so the radio is playing this ad and i suddenly i'm listening i'm saying wait a minute this is an ad for learning how to fly this is a radio ad for a flight an fbo um at an airport that is is uh is trying to attract people in to learn how to fly and i'm thinking you just don't hardly hear that ever and i'm thinking this is terrific um, and, uh, so my shout out is to, uh, ooh, I had his name a minute ago. Hang on. Where'd it go here? Uh, one second here. Where it is Kevin Walsh. My shout out is to uh, Kevin Walsh, the owner and president of middle river aviation. Um, it, uh, middle river aviation is at, Oh, see, I'm just not prepared here. Martin state airport. Thank outside you very Baltimore. Much. Martin state airport. Um, <laughs> apparently just not, not that far from Baltimore. Um, and I listened uh, to the ad. See, I, yeah. I, I yes. And uh, I actually tracked him down. I, I was because I, I wasn't really paying attention. I didn't catch the entire ad, and I managed to write down Martin State Airport, and uh, and then track that down, and then send emails to every FBO on the field. And I said, "Was he, were you the ones with the ad? Were you the ones with the ad?" And uh, Kevin Walsh got back to me, and we had a little chat by email uh, earlier today, and. Uh, and he was just, you know, um, talking about how you got to do this. You know, if you're going to, you got to draw people in and you got to do what you got to do. And, uh, and so kudos to, uh, to, yeah, no kidding. to, uh, Kevin Walsh and, uh, and, uh, Middle River Aviation, um, for, you know, and, and we'll put our, their link. Let's see now their, uh, URL is, oh, I had it here someplace. I've got way too many. Windows. It's, um, it's, it's really hard. Yeah, it's I know, right. Middle River Aviation.com. All go. one word. There you go. And, uh, seems to be your basic full service uh, uh, FBO, uh, obviously from flight training and and uh, and some rentals and other things. And uh, if you're you know looking to fly in the Baltimore area, uh, this might be a place to consider. Um, and uh, um, you know. and that, that's a nice little airport too. Are you familiar with that airport? Oh yeah. What's it like? Close to the water. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Middle River. There you go. Um, yeah. Oh, I just I just got that. Yeah. Right. So big shout out to uh, to uh, Middle River Aviation for uh, you know kind of like you know uh, going the extra yard if you will. Well, not only that, but I, I I've never done it before. I know people who you know are kind of in the business to business advertising uh, uh, realm, and they swear by uh, daytime radio ads. Mm-hmm. Um, people are driving in their cars to and from bu- meetings. Uh-huh. Um, sitting around an office with the radio on low, whatever, um, and it's that day, the advertising, uh, uh, radio advertising at, at that, with those targets in mind, does tend to work. Mm-hmm. You know, you pick the right stations, yeah. of course, but still. Yeah. Well, good luck uh, to them. I'm sorry, yeah. David. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say the airport's only like nine miles from uh, the Inner Harbor. Yeah. Right. Uh, 
and one one end of the runway is got water right off the end of it. It's, it's basically right on the Chesapeake Bay. There's a state forest there. It's a beautiful little place. Very nice. Very nice. So, big shout out to uh, Kevin Walsh in Middle River Aviation. He's smarter than the average FBO. Is flying a dream of yours? Getting out of your car and into the sky is just a phone call away. At Middle River Aviation, they offer one-on-one flight instruction and work around your busy schedule. Serving the Baltimore metro area, they're conveniently located at Martin State Airport, just east of White Marsh. Experience the thrill and freedom aviation will bring to your life. They offer fixed wing and helicopter training, as well as helicopter tours for those special occasions. Give them a call at 410-574-3897. Find them on Facebook at Middle River Aviation and on the web at Middle River aviation.com what do you got shout outs anybody yeah go ahead david go well it's going to take you i'm going to take jacks oh, okay uh, go ahead yeah go. yeah it's to larry and, and larry overstreet uh his lovely bride mary beth mm-hmm. his family and all the folks that uh help make staying at camp bacon such a treat uh, for organizing the whole thing, for the the great social environment, mm-hmm. S- some nice events that unfortunately Jeb and I missed because I drug him off to business stuff. Uh, it was just phenomenal. I c- couldn't believe how much effort they put into it, how well it uh, how well it hummed. Uh, everybody there was simpatico. Yeah, yeah, and, and it was yeah. such a great location. Uh, yeah, and it, and it's a testament to everybody who hangs out at that camp. But Larry really does a lot of. I mean, you know, and he's such a nice and easygoing guy. Um, and certainly, it's not a huge sacrifice to have to spend the month of July um, at Camp Scholler. <laughs> on the other hand, you know, there is some, you know, sac- not, um, sacrifice is not the right word, but but there, there's some effort involved and some coordination. Um, you know, and Larry has to get there in in, in time and has to coordinate all the different badges and passes and right. camp camping approvals and whatnot and 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 he does a it's very kind of him to uh, to do this for everybody so that uh, so that the camp bacon gang can have a really really primo location there in camp Scholler. um and then as david suggested they they kind of set the tone for the the uh, the, the the community and the and the the, the friendliness and the, the the neighborhood feel of camp bacon it's the a, hospitality the hospitality exactly right so yeah um you know yeah, big thanks. We thanked our gang um, in the Sunday show, and I'm sure we'll thank them again for all the help, The uh, what we're now calling the UCAP Air Cavalry, um, who stepped up to help with the episodes. But I realized that we maybe neglected a little bit to thank Larry for his hospitality, and I wanted to make sure that didn't go unsaid, because uh, that was pretty cool. Well, Sorry, David, I just stole your shout-out. How'd, you, how'd I do? Did, you, did I finish it all? No, not, not bad. I got one in reserve. Oh, okay. All that right, was, well, let's that see. Was a, that, was a, that was a good Bigfoot. You did. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> To all the listeners that came out yeah, go ahead. Thursday night, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. You made our day. Yeah. I wish I could have been there. I've seen pictures and talked to people who were there. Sounds like you guys had a lot of fun at the tie-down party. Yes, indeed. Yep. Yes, indeed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and everybody, should, it's not too soon. Put it on your calendar. Uh, Thursday night of Oshkosh next year. Um, that's you know where we'll be at six o'clock on Thursday night of Oshkosh. Right, that's and, right. Uh, and you're invited if you're a listener to this podcast. You're invited. Uh, Jeb, same, same UCAP time, same UCAP location. That's right. 
Jeb, Sorry. you better jump in here quick before you say something. Yeah, I was gonna. I was just gonna echo everything that Dave said to to Larry and Mary Beth and, and their family and and uh, all that crew. Um, it's 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 a no drama environment, um, um, and uh, it's just perfect location, perfect uh, uh, um, group of people, and uh, just hats off to everybody for for coexisting like that for for a week or more. Uh, and uh, you call it the air cab, I'll call it the UCAP mafia. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, well, that could work too. That could work. Yeah. Too. I was trying to connote the fact that they came to the rescue. Is my is, is what I was going for here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, no, okay. You I want get mafia. that. All right. You want mafia? Right? No, the mafia thing is just you know it is what it is. But uh, um, just thanks tr- for all their help. They know who they are. But uh, there's Jim G. There's Jeff. There's uh, Mike so many more. And Mike. Yeah. There's so many more. Um, Thank you all for all your help, uh, not only, you know, in the last couple of weeks, but just on an ongoing basis and going back several years. Yeah, so true, true that. Thank sure. you. Thank yeah. you. Thank okay. you. Anything else? Any other shout outs? We done? Sounds like we're Stick done. Me with a fork. Sounds like we're done. That's Dave Higdon. Dave's an aviation photographer and aviation journalist and the U.S. editor for London's Ab Buyer magazine. Dave, it's always great talking with you. You, sat, you. you alluded earlier to the fact that you're incredibly busy right now. Anything in particular you want to tell us about, call attention to? Anything coming out now? That would be a good thing, right? Well, I just got the latest uh, issue of, uh, of uh, Avionics News. And uh, it looks like I got two stories in it, and right at the moment I can't remember what they are. <laughs> well, that's fine. We'll track it down. And- Don't you love that? Because I'm the same. Oh yeah, I wrote an article. I cannot tell you what was in it. Yeah. Well, it's it's not like the old days where lead time for magazines was six months in advance, but it's still a, a month or two, right? It, it, yeah. Uh, this, yeah, it's still about two about it two months for yeah. uh, avionics news. Yeah, and so uh, you've obviously moved on to other things by the time these things appear. But uh, Oh, yeah, tomorrow I'll file for October. But avionics news, check that out. Check that out. Where can people find you on the Internet, David? Uh, AEA.net, uh, avbuyer.com, uh, where my future stories show up in uh, Avbuyer magazine and my weekly business aviation blog uh, runs. Uh, occasionally, aviation safety. I think I might have one coming out. Uh and on the Twitter. Uh, and on the Twitter, I'm Real Higdon. There you go. There you go. Yeah. And that other voice uh, is uh, Captain Jeb. Uh, it's Jeb Burnside. <laughs> Captain Jeb to Captain you. Captain Jeb. Salute. <laughs> I may put, my, put my, my hand to my forehead in your behalf. Jeb's a, a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. What have you been working on? You just finished a magazine. Anything else? Just finished the September issue. Uh, talking about density altitude. Talking about uh, slow flight, Mr. Higdon. Uh, talking about uh, instrument uh, proficiency checks, and talking about how what it takes to be an old, well, not bold, but just an old pilot. There you go. Uh, okay. Among some other things. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, all. That's coming to you in a. Uh, mailbox down the street uh, sometime later in the month. Um, so there's all that. Um, Where can pe- yeah? You had something else you wanted? To- oh yeah, I did, uh, general aviation news. Have a regular column in there, mm-hmm. and yep. uh, from time to time, I'm also in avionics news. Yeah. So uh, and where can uh, people find all this stuff on the internet? Um, oh, oh, I know, I know, I know. Excuse me, um, um, aviationsafetymagazine.com. <laughs> Uh, the Twitter machine is uh, Burnside J, 
And avionics news is at AEA.net. There you go. Oh, G8 in general aviation news. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. There we go. All right. See, yeah. I was going to give you a gold star, but I guess maybe we'll give you like, I don't know, a red star. How's that? No, that whoa, 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 whoa. I got them all in. I thought you All right. Okay. Gold star right on your forehead. Boom. There you go. Done. Boom. That's right. right. Paste it right over the L. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Hey, and I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media <laughs> producer. You can follow me at twitter.com slash Jack Hodgson. You can also learn more than you ever really wanted to know about me at jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net. Big thanks to uh, Jeff Ward for all his help with the show notes and in the forums. Thanks to uh, Mike Morgan, to Jim Goldman, to Royce Earl, and to the many other listeners who have created the UCAP disclaimer clips and all the other cool things that they've done for us. Uh, please support UCAP by making a repeating per-episode donation of any size via the online service Patreon. Get all the details about this at patreon.com slash uncontrolledairspace. And while you're at it, please go into iTunes and uh, give us a review, click some stars, um, thumbs up. Well, I forget what it is they do these days, but uh, all that kind of feedback there really helps uh, get the word out about the podcast. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at twitter.com slash class G airspace. Uh, that's all one word, the letter class, and then the letter G airspace, all one word. You never know what might turn up there. Never let it be said we are classless on Twitter. That's right. We're there. We got it under control or uncontrolled. Okay. You can also listen to UCAP in the free section of Sporty Pilot, Sporty's Pilot Shop's mobile app, Takeoff, along with other podcasts and special Sporty's content. Get your UCAP hats, shirts, and other cool gear. Uh, at the, By the way, that's what the prizes were, right? At the uh, tie-down party. Uh, yeah. The, the trivia contest uh, had uh, had cool uh, mugs and shirts, I guess, and, uh, and and plus we had we saw a number of listeners who, who arrived uh, wearing their uh, their uncontrolled airspace shirt or you know whatnot. It's uh, it was very drinking fun. something out of their mug. It's um, I don't know if I saw that, but that's you know in in principle that's yeah. Did, was there there weren't any UCAP mugs at Camp Bacon, were there? That would have been cool. Yeah, that. I'm sure there were. Yeah. Actually. So um, all that stuff can be viewed and and if you like gotten all right at uh, the UCAP swag shop at uncontrolledairspace.com slash store and don't forget you can check out the rest of the UCAP website 10 years worth of UCAP show notes and episode downloads um, uh, and that's at the uh, at the website last but not least chat with us directly and with many of your fellow listeners in the uncontrolled airspace forums all of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com David you going to say something go fly live long because uh, you've heard this before time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan i saw it on a t-shirt bye-bye and that's enough talking let's go flying and don't forget where you can get those t-shirts <laughs> Members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that.